You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to Her Excellency Sim Ann, Senior Minister of State at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Ministry of National Development in Singapore, discuss how changes in the Arctic affect Singapore and how Singapore is involved in the Arctic. The dialogue is followed by a Q&A with the audience and is moderated by Oliver Ragnar Grimson, Chairman of the Arctic Circle and former President of Iceland. This event originally took place at the 2022 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. Chairman Grimson, Excellencies, distinguished speakers, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted and honoured to join all of you at the Arctic Circle Assembly today. Since the inaugural assembly in 2013, Singapore has participated in every edition. I'm therefore glad that we continue to be able to be part of the important discussions at this forum this year. You might ask, why is Singapore an Arctic Council observer, despite being located on the equator more than 7,000 kilometers away from the Arctic? The reality is that what happens in the Arctic has a profound and significant impact on a small island state like Singapore. About 30% of Singapore is less than 5 metres above sea level, making our country vulnerable to rising seas caused by a warming planet. A recent study revealed that over the past four decades, the Arctic region has warmed at a rate that was nearly four times faster than the rest of the world. The Arctic region is now roughly 3 degrees Celsius warmer than in 1980. Another study suggested that even if humans were to stop emitting greenhouse gases today, the current warming would have caused Greenland's ice sheets to lose 3.3% of its volume, which would contribute to a 27.4 cm rise in sea level. For small, low-lying island states like Singapore and others, including Iceland, our gracious host, climate change is an existential challenge. That is why it is even more important today for Singapore to work with and support multilateral institutions like the Arctic Council and platforms like today's Arctic Circle Assembly to find actionable solutions to combat the effects of climate change. Singapore's carbon footprint is small. We account for around 0.11% of global carbon emissions and rank 126th out of 142 countries in terms of CO2 emissions per dollar GDP. About 95% of our electricity is generated from natural gas, the cleanest fossil fuel, and we have implemented policies to cap vehicle growth and manage vehicular emissions. However, we are not complacent and continue to make significant efforts in greening Singapore. Last year, we launched a national sustainability movement, the Singapore Green Plan, to chart ambitious and concrete green targets over the next 10 years. This will position us to achieve our long-term net zero emissions aspirations as soon as viable. Towards this end, we have announced this year that we will raise our climate ambition to achieve net zero emissions by or around 2050. Amongst our many initiatives that touch almost every dimension of our lives in transitioning to a low-carbon future, Singapore is actively studying and investing in 
advanced low-carbon solutions such as carbon capture, utilization and storage technologies, and hydrogen. We plan to quadruple local solar production from 2020 levels by 2025. In July last year, Singapore opened the world's first inland floating solar panel farms. The annual carbon emission reduction accrued is equivalent to taking 7,000 cars off the road. Innovation is key for a small country like Singapore, and we also look to collaborating with innovative, like-minded Arctic partners to find solutions to address pressing issues with global implications, such as the accelerated warming of the Arctic and climate change. Singapore's institutes of higher learning, such as the National University of Singapore and the Nanyang Technological University, have in place comprehensive memorandums of understanding with academic and research institutions with expertise on the Arctic. Our, institu our institutions also undertake research in Arctic technology, including studying the re-adaptation of off-grid energy solutions that have been used in rural communities in Southeast Asia to be used to benefit remote communities in the Arctic. Of note, the National University of Singapore's Technology Centre for Offshore and Marine contains a deep ocean water basin facility which has the potential for Arctic research applicability. We also set up the Centre for Climate Research Singapore to enhance our understanding of climate science, including how climate change in the Arctic affects polar ice sheets. In May 2022, a Singapore delegation from the Nanyang Technological University went on an expedition visit to research centres and observatories in Svalbard, Norway. The team was looking to expand areas of collaboration and had planned to utilise the satellite imagery to study the impact of climate change and sea level rise in the tropics. I'm certain that we will see many more of such meaningful and impactful Arctic Tropics collaboration in the future. Beyond our current collaboration, Singapore is keen to step up cooperation with many Arctic states in managing the negative effects of climate change. You can count on Singapore as a committed friend, partner and champion for the Arctic region. Thank you. Well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, I think it demonstrates uh, the global uh, dimension of the dialogue. Please sit down uh, that you have traveled all the way from Singapore to be with us here. And as many of you might have noticed, uh, you are the first speaker from an observer state in the Arctic Council. Many of the, if not all, previous speakers have dealt with the challenges that the Arctic Council faces uh, in the near future, at least. So can I start by asking you, how do you think the observer states like Singapore want to proceed uh, in the next one, two or three years? Well, the observer status at Arctic Council is of great value to Singapore because of the existential nature of rising sea levels to us. And we are very appreciative of this opportunity to engage with our Arctic community and to do so on a very regular basis. 
And we hope, of course, uh, given the current circumstances, that technical discussions uh, can continue, and certainly Singapore is committed to continue contributing in the various work groups. Uh, we think that work in research, for instance, um, is very important. And uh, although we are a very small country, we understand the impact of climate change on the global scale, and we hope to do our part to help. Well, as you said, uh, many parts of Singapore, only five meters from sea level, and if the Prime Minister of Greenland loses a quarter of his ice sheet, uh, uh, your sea level will rise about, uh, about two meters. And have you, sta have you started preparing for that? Well, absolutely, because the concerns about rising sea levels is something which we have factored into national long-term planning. Our Prime Minister has spoken about our plans to design and construct polders. We have technical teams studying, uh, for instance, uh, the situation in the Netherlands. But uh, very importantly, we need to prepare the population because this is going to be not only a very long-term construction project in terms of the resources that we commit to it in terms of investment, it is also going to be on a very large scale. We're mentally prepared for this to be a 100-year project. Well, let me see if there is anybody in the audience who is ready with a question. If not, I will use my privilege you are the first speaker from Asian countries that are present here. In the second half of the opening session, India will present its new Arctic policy. Then later on in the assembly, we will have uh, Korea, Japan, China. It's a formidable change. Some people are even saying if you combine all the capabilities in science and other technical areas as well as uh, the economic dominance of Asia. Some people are even saying that by the middle of this, this century, the combined contribution of Asia to the Arctic in terms of research, capability, technology, research vessels, and, and satellite monitoring, uh, financing infrastructure, and so on, that the combined involvement of Asia would be the strongest force in the Arctic in the second half of this century. Do you agree with that? I think that for something that's as important as climate change, I think every effort would be important, it would be valued. Uh, certainly, where Singapore is concerned, we want to play our part. Now, as to the uh, contributions of different regions uh, to the Arctic. Um, I was very struck by one of the statements earlier that the Arctic uh, is also a place that is global uh, in nature. I'm also very struck by the statements by the Prime Minister of Greenland mm. on the importance of respecting the needs, the priorities of peoples who are within the Arctic. So I think that uh, for those of us, Singapore, we're very far away from the Arctic, we're on the equator. We, we hope to approach uh, our involvement 
in terms of supporting peace, progress, and prosperity, we think that these are uh, guiding principles uh, that we hope will continue to make us a good friend of the Arctic. Well, thank you very much. It, I think it's a testimony to the efficiency and the precision of the Singapore administration that you are the only speaker who's been on time in this <laughs> session. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank Great. you. Thank, thank you, Chairman.